welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Luke chapter 2, if you have a Bible today and yesterday, I, um, my plan was to share a portion of this scripture in about 10 minutes, and um, some of you immediately say, why can't you do that on Sundays? But we only had 10 minutes, and um, this is a very familiar passage of scripture, the entire chapter of Luke chapter 2. We think about Christmas and the Christmas story, the Christmas narrative, um, Matthew provides one kind of angle, if you will, from Matthew's point of view. By the way, those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written by different individuals from different points of view and perspectives, and usually to different audiences. Matthew's writing uh, to the Jewish nation. He presents Christ as king of the Jews. He begins his genealogy with uh, Abraham, Father Abraham, gets their attention and says, this Jesus coming as your savior came from Abraham to the Jewish nation. Luke is writing to a Gentile audience. Uh, he represents Christ as the son of man. And he writes from a doctor's point of view and, and gives a little more insight into something maybe we would be uh, coincidentally, not, but um, interestingly, Luke, when he writes his genealogy, he begins with Adam, man. So it gets our attention that he's a man like us, but yet still God. And in Luke chapter two, uh, there's several, I guess you could say, incidences that Luke mentions that some of the others, uh, or Matthew doesn't write. And one is about the shepherds. So much can be said about shepherds. I'm not here to teach you about shepherds today. But yesterday, uh, we had a special guest show up. And I am convinced that people like to hear from him more than they like to hear from me. They could hear him more clearly than they could hear me yesterday. And so this morning, I sent a message to Tim. I said, I think we want our special guest back to read the scripture to us. And so as we do around here, let's stand as we honor God's word. How crazy is it that we live in a day and age where this wouldn't be acceptable uh, in um, 2023, but many, many years ago when some of you were just babies, Charlie Brown um, quoted, Lioness himself quoted Luke chapter two, the text that we'll be reading from today, starting with verse eight. So let's listen to Lioness uh, teach us what the true meaning of Christmas is through Luke chapter two, verse eight. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. 
You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Together, Father, thank you for your word. God, even as we hear it quoted in this old cartoon, we're reminded that your word is absolute truth and not return void. We thank you for your word. Thank you that we have a copy that we can read and hear from you. And today we ask you to bless your word, bless the preaching of it, help us to receive it, not just be hearers of another message, but doers of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A couple weeks ago, I said I would try to preach through the month of December using titles of Christmas hymns or Christmas songs. Last year, last year, last week, it was Old Little Town of Bethlehem. And today, just to kind of walk through the song While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks. Now, I must say, if, you're, if you need an alternate title, it could be Angels We Have Heard on High or Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But for me, it's While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks. This account that Lion has just read from in Luke chapter 2 takes place in the same shepherd's fields that we talked about last week when 750 years before the birth of Jesus, Micah the prophet prophesied that Jesus would be born in the city of David. Bethlehem. If you remember last week, we looked at a couple references to the actual place where this took place, where the shepherds were at in their shepherd's fields. If you were to go to Bethlehem today, I don't advise you doing that, but if you were to go to Bethlehem today, uh, as you go into the city of Bethlehem on your left and right, you'll see shepherd's fields. And um, there's a traditional place in the Church of Nativity but then outside of the what they call Bethlehem Square, there are shepherd's fields where you can go out and go into several caves. Now, do we know for sure it's the cave? No, but we can know for certain, according to the Word of God, that it was somewhere in that area. Um, in Micah chapter 4, Genesis chapter 35, both of these <clears throat> writers refer to the Tower of the Flock. And uh, we learned about that last week where uh, the shepherds were watching. And these are these same shepherds that are in the shepherd's fields that are, remember, watching special sheep, sheep that are being raised in a field where King David had given land so that sheep being prepared for the temple sacrifices could be raised. These shepherds are watching them from towers most likely. Um, so I'm a kind of a visual person, and I've heard different, maybe sermons, maybe read different things about these shepherds. <clears throat> What's interesting is shepherds get a bad name, all right? They're dirty. They're shepherds, right? Um, they're the lowliest in all the occupations in Israel. 
I've got a little three-minute sermonette that I won't bore you with because I'm on limited time, I feel like, right now. But um, it's interesting that they were considered lowly among the occupation world, but Scripture speaks very highly of shepherds. God is referred to as the shepherd of Israel. Jesus himself is referred to, refers to himself as the good shepherd. King David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But these sheep, these shepherds uh, have kind of gotten a bad name in the past. I've heard people preach and teach uh, maybe some things written that they're just kind of like a bunch of party animals out in the field, you know, roasting marshmallows and whatever. That's not the shepherd. Uh, I, can, uh, I can assure you of that because they had a special job. They're watching the sheep. Visualize this. They're most likely watching special sheep. So they're special shepherds. And the Bible says that it was at night. Uh, doesn't take a rocket scientist or a shepherd master to understand that it's a little more critical at night than it is during the day. You've got predators, you've got things that can happen in the dark. I say all that to say, and you may not appreciate it, these shepherds were doing their job and they were wide-eyed, as the football coach used to say, head on a swivel. They're alert. They're not some drunken, wild crazies out there, just kind of, they're alert, it's dark, they've got a special task, and then imagine the angel of the Lord appears. Now scripturally, contextually, you have to understand, this is not the angel of the Lord, all capital, because that would be a Christophany where Jesus appears in the form of an angel, but this is a messenger of God. This is not something that happens every day out in the shepherd's fields. And the Bible says, and Lioness says, they were sore afraid. They got their attention. This angel shows up and he has a message for them and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. Now, this is just a visual for introduction purposes that these shepherds are at night watching their sheep and the angel shows up we're going to get to the angel part in a minute. I am always intrigued at how, how many good church-going Baptists love to talk about angels. Some of you know I have difficulty with some angels. <laughs> last year, was it last year? I have an angel sitting in my office right now, a little ceramic angel, a little naked baby angel, with, <laughs> because someone listened to a message of mine and knew how much I disdained naked baby cherub angels and got me one for Christmas. And um, somebody gave me a Target gift card too, but I'm not sure that was the same reason. But anyway, <laughs> really happened. But we'll get to that in a minute. This angel shows up, and let me tell you now as a sneak peek, this is not a fat, naked baby angel with butterfly wings. We'll get there. This angel shows up and announces to them good news of great joy. The glory of the Lord speaks of his delight. Uh, the word there actually means radiance shown round about them. It's the same glory that Paul talks about in Acts 22 when he was saved on the road to Damascus and the glory of the Lord uh, blinded him. They're sore afraid. Here's the point. The angel of God has their attention. And there's so much preachy, preaching, preachy stuff in here that I'll try not to bore you with. 
But the message that this angel is about to give is an important message. Yeah, everybody wait. At least some spiritual person say amen really low. It's an important message. This message today still should get our attention. This message should still have our undevoted attention. It is the message of the church today. It's the message of every Christian today. The message that a savior has been born. The announcement of the angel is what we'll look at first. He announces first the person to be born. The angel said, fear not, behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. The song says, while shepherds watched their flocks by night all seated on the ground, an angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around. Fear not, said he, for mighty dread had seized their troubled mind. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind. This message was good tidings. This message was good news. Good news to be shared. I talked about this a little bit yesterday and I don't think, and you've heard me if you've been here any amount of time and heard me preach, I think one of the most underestimated hurdles to the good news of the gospel in America, I'm not gonna give account for the rest of the world, is that the world does not know the bad news. Good news is good news when we understand there's bad news. I am convinced, as much as I am standing here preaching to a Southern Baptist church on a Sunday morning, that there are churches full of people week after week who hear the gospel or hear a message of the gospel and they leave the same way they came in, just like the world, just like the people we work with because they've never understood the necessity to be saved. I've heard it years ago, and the more I read scripture, and the more I prepare and plan and preach, the more I understand this old saying that nobody ever got saved that didn't know they were lost. No one's ever been delivered when they didn't know they needed to be delivered. No one's ever been rescued unless they knew they needed rescued. And this word here we'll look at in a second means just that. He says, I have good news of great joy. The reality is we have good news. We can share, especially Christmas time. Jesus is here, a savior is born. But people need to understand the world that we live with and work with and go to school with need to understand what or who a savior is. Why do I need to be saved? What have I ever done to need rescue? And the reality is scripture is very clear that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There's none righteous, no, not one. Just the way, uh, just the fact that you were born means you need to be saved. I said that yesterday, and of course, Pastor Justin got up a couple times after me, and um, I'll tell you, I've told Julie this, I think Todd's been in the room, it's the most difficult thing to ever do in your life as a preacher, because it is wild and out of control. It's a million times different than what you're hearing right now. This is also pretty hard too when you're all looking at me the way you are very quietly wondering if my voice is gonna quit or squeal or what I'm gonna do. I can tell, I see it. I'm not sure if I like this better or yesterday better, but um, anyway, 
It's wild and out of control. And, and, I, and I hear myself say, hey, if you don't hear anything else, hear this, you need to be saved. Why? Not because you're a bad person. No, because you were born. Why does the world need to be born again? The answer is easy, because you were born. We were born separated from God. We were born into sin. And I don't know if you've been in church all your life or not. I don't know if you've professed to be Christian. I don't know if you've been baptized a few times. The reality is, unless you've been born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Being born again under, means you understand you were born once, but also born into sin. As a baby, born into sin. The other day, I can't remember, we were around Justin and Lizzie, and I don't even know if you're here, maybe it was out in the hallway and hadn't did something really crazy, and I could tell, is Justin in here? He's not in here, maybe he's listening to some. I could tell Daddy was getting a little like, mm. I love you, but this is getting, and I said, this is, this is the apologetic for sin nature. You love him, he's perfect, but look at him, he's a little devil. They're born into sin. They're, they're just selfish, and they want me, 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 and my, my, my. And that really is a biblical apologetic. We see it fleshed out, that we were born into sin because of Adam and Eve, and then that little baby um, turns into a, a toddler and that toddler turns into the next day you wake up a 13 year old and you understand they're born into sin and they need to be saved and it's every person that's ever been born by one man's sin entered into the world Adam and by that one man's sin de death passed upon all men why for the wages of sin is death that's every person we come in contact with and that, per that person needs to hear the bad news. But we don't just give the bad news, we give the good news. Yeah, you're a sinner. Yeah, you're separated from God. But the good news is, God loved the world. The good news is, the same news that the shepherds heard that day, the person to be born is a savior. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angel proclaimed this message, but he told specifically who this person was, and it's the gospel. And I'm not just preaching to get this over with today. I want every person to hear the gospel message that he is Savior, he is Christ, he is the Lord. This is the gospel. This is what changes people's lives when they understand and when they accept the reality that he is Savior, that he is the Christ, that he is the Lord. And this is the announcement of the, of the angel that he is to be savior, rescuer. John chapter four, this savior terminology is used often in scripture. Luke uses it two times, but Paul talks about it several times. But in John chapter four, the woman at the well, you remember the woman at the well? She uh, meets Jesus and um, she gets saved. And she goes and does what? This kind of gets us to the end of the sermon, but we'll, we'll hold it. She, um, she goes and tells everybody. The Bible is pretty clear that they have a camp meeting. They ask Jesus to stay a few more days, and then more and more people get saved. And then at the end of John chapter 4, verse 42, they said to her, now we believe, not because of what you said, uh, but we heard him ourselves, 
and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. If you're a Christian here today, if you're a church member here today, we have a message. We have a message that should capture our attention always. Christ has come. He's the Savior of the world. I am convinced in this day and age that we live in, we're doing a lot of things right, but we're doing a lot of things wrong in the church. Used to do a lot of things right that we could probably learn from today to implement them maybe in a 21st century way. But nothing replaces spreading the good news man to man, woman to woman. There is a Savior. He is the Savior of the world, and you need to meet him. Amen. We got to do more of that. Here's a little sneak peek into 2024 as your pastor of this church. We got to do more of that. We all individually have to do more of that. We as a church have to do more of that. It's easy to give a dollar and say somebody else is going to do it. I'm preaching to the preacher too. It's easy to give to uh, Lottie Moon. I hadn't thrown that out there for a while. Christmas offering. International mid. There's missionaries everywhere. We give a dollar and we can easily say at Central Baptist Church that, you know, 18% of every dollar we give goes to some telling somebody about Jesus. That's just missions. It could be. Anyway, I'll get into that. But we've got to do it ourselves. We've got the message that the world needs to hear. And we have to do a better job of teaching people the truth that there is a savior. There is a rescuer. And I got to throw this in here. It's not in my notes, but I, I knew it would happen. There's a lot of people that we live around, work with, and go to school with that are looking for deliverance. They're calling out to be rescued. And just like Israel, it's a perfect picture. They're looking for a different type of deliverance. Their expectation of deliverance is different than their need for deliverance. We have a lot of sedatives in America. I'm not talking about pills in a bottle. That's just one sedative. We've got a lot of things to pacify people in America. We've got a lot of ways to mend some wounds in America. If we're not careful, the church will do the same thing. But there is only one message. There is only one remedy that we can say universally the world needs, and it's a savior. Right. It's deliverance. Right. And I'm not saying that everybody needs deliverance from a drug addiction needs Jesus. I'm not, I didn't say that. I could say that, but I didn't say that. But I'm saying there is no greater need of deliverance in every person's heart than deliverance from their sin and the death that comes from their sin. And we have the answer. We've got to share it. Israel was looking for a deliverer. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a military king. They were looking for a political king. They were looking for someone to get them out of uh, bondage of the Romans at that time. They had looked for uh, deliverance from Assyria and from Babylon, and, and they were looking for the wrong king, the wrong deliverance, the wrong rescuer. But God gave them the deliverer they needed. So a lot of, there are a lot of preaching there. Y'all still have your attention? You can be saved and still need some deliverance from some other things. But there's no greater need 
of deliverance than spiritual deliverance. And we have the answer. He's Savior. He's Christ. It means the anointed one. Uh, being anointed means sent from God. And we understand, and, and the shepherds were hearing, that this baby to be born was specifically sent, anointed by God. Amen. For God so loved the world Amen. that he gave his only begotten son. There, there was only one sacrifice for sin. I'm a southern gospel junkie, right? I like quartet music. I like the cathedrals, the old school cathedrals. Some of you appreciate this. Don't get your feelings hurt. They didn't go looking for heaven to find somebody to die. Y'all know Ernie Haas squilling out like a canary old water savior, right? says they searched through heaven to find one. No, they didn't. They didn't. God didn't say which one of y'all want to go down there and die for the sins of the world. It was he himself, Emmanuel, God with us, the second person of the Trinity in Jesus Christ. He was anointed by God, selected by God to be the only sacrifice for our sins. Now, I like the rest of the song, so don't be offended by that. It's just... Get that part right. They should have changed that up. And he says he's not only Savior, not only Christ, he calls him the Lord. He's king. This is the word Lord that you would use uh, in the, in the uh, royal early whatever teens, you know, uh, Lord this, Lord that. It means king. It means master. What we understand, he is Christ. He is Savior. He is the Lord. This word comes from the same word we get in the Hebrew Yahweh. He is Lord. He is God. It speaks of his deity. He is God with us. What am I saying? I'm saying what the angels heard. A savior is born. A deliverer is born. The rescuer is born. He is the only one. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. And he's Lord. Now, I... Unfortunately, I, I read and follow behind a lot of preachers. And some of them just don't have better things to do than just argue and gripe. And, but I understand what, I'm not going to call this one by name because he's pretty straight-laced, but um, I've heard him, I've heard people say, and then with, you know, if one says it, then seven say it, right? The seven that want to be like him. So the statement goes on in church that is made, this is it. Make Jesus Lord of your life. And some people have a problem with that. You're going to make Jesus do something? We understand that's not what someone's saying, make him Lord of their life. So please don't get caught up in the semantics of that. However, the reality is he is Lord. He is Lord. When we say, hey, can you, will you make Jesus Lord of your life? We're not saying that you make Jesus do something. What we're saying is, hey, you need to acknowledge personally he is Lord of your life. This angel taught the shepherds today in the city of David, in Bethlehem, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord is born. What about the place? Don't worry, not nearly as much time there. It's interesting, I, I love this, and this is a sign unto you. 
You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes or cloths lying in a manger. The song says, to you in David's town, this day is born of David's line, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this shall be the sign. The heavenly babe you there shall find to human view displayed, all simply wrapped in swaddling clothes and in a manger laid. The angel said, this shall be a sign unto you. What was the sign? There's a nice little Christmas trivia quiz that says, what was the sign given to the shepherds? And everybody says, a star. No, the sign was simple. A baby in swaddling clothes laying in a manger, laying in a feeding trough. This was the sign. I don't want to get too much into this, but it's worth noting. God in the Old Testament often gave his people signs. This is exactly what's going on here. It's a sign that confirms his word. It's a sign to look for to confirm his word is true. That does not mean we ought to be looking for signs all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But in the Old Testament, God would tell them something and give a sign to confirm it. Example, uh, in Genesis, I believe the world was flooded by God totally destroyed by God, all right? Um, there's this thing that comes up in the sky to this day called a rainbow, right? Let's not go down that road. Everybody's like, where's he going with this? No, God gave the rainbow as a sign to confirm his word. His word was, I will never destroy earth again by water. And here's a sign, I will put a bow in the sky. And he says, every time you see the bow or the rainbow, it will remind you of my covenant with the world that I will not flood it. I will not destroy it by water. I don't want to dig into this deeper. God doesn't have to give you a sign. But God gave signs to confirm his word. The sign, you have to believe the sign just like you believed his word. It's by faith believing it. This is what he did. He gave a sign. What's the sign? You're going to find this baby in a manger, in a feeding trough, which I'm not sure if you know this, but that's not normal. <laughs> I love to think of what this must have looked like that night. It's not a huge town. They're outside the outskirts of Bethlehem. And he says, hey, here's the sign to find this Savior. You'll, wrap to, you'll see him wrapped in swaddling clothes, and you'll find him laying in a manger. That was the sign to look for. We don't have any text that tells us what that, looked, what that looked like. I would love to know what that looked like. Did they go not, I mean, they, they went to barns. They most likely went to caves. And they're looking everywhere in a trough until they find the baby. It was a sign. This is important. It was a sign that when they found the baby, everybody's, everybody's still clear that that wasn't normal. Okay. So I was like, there's a baby in a manger. There's another baby in a manger. <sighs> Which one? I don't know. Which one? No, they find a baby in a manger. Here's your sign that this is the one. There's a, this is important, so kind of put a pin right there in that. This is the sign. In verse 15, and it came to pass. Guess what? They found a baby laying in a manger. The angels are going away from them in heaven. The shepherds said, well, let's go now to Bethlehem and see this which has come to pass. They've made haste. They found Mary, Joseph, the babe laying in a manger. The reality is they believed God's word and responded to it. Don't, don't miss that. I won't. My throat hurts. I'm not going to preach it out, but don't miss that. 
that we act on God's word. We act in faith on God's word. These shepherds believed the word of God and did something about it. That was weird. Angel showed up. Uh, let's just talk about it. Let's, say if the, let's argue amongst ourselves, was that really God? Was that really God's word? That's crazy. The Savior, the Messiah's coming. He's going to be in a manger. No, they acted on it. The angel announced the person to be born. He announced the place of his birth, but don't miss verse 13 and 14. The angels praise. This is the part I really like, and I hope you enjoy this. And suddenly, there was just one angel, the messenger of the Lord, and suddenly there is with him, did I say him? Yeah, I said him. Yeah, I meant him. An angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, the song says, thus spoke the angel, suddenly appeared a shining throng of angels, praising God who thus addressed their joyful song. The Bible says a multitude of them showed up. How many? Don't want to bore you with all this, but this number, this uh, multitude word represents an innumerable amount of angels. Now, some of you appreciate this. Some of you are like, why did he throw that in there? Well, it's in the text. We'll learn. There are such things as angels. They are created beings of God. Some of them did fail with Lucifer, the angel, and are now on his side. They are not, just in case you missed this earlier, chubby, naked, butterfly wing angels. <laughs> and now a multitude shows up with this one messenger of God, and they're not singing, they're, they're singing in excelsis Deo. But I, I hope you don't miss this, and I hope you're not offended by this. They're not singing it in all soprano. It's a war chant. It's a battle cry. Now, as a man who likes to do manly things and don't like effeminate men, um, in, in a lot of ways, <laughs> I'll throw that out there to make sure. It changes the biblical narrative when we understand these messengers of God. Yeah, I joke about the, the ceramic angel sitting on my shelf watching me. But this is serious business we're in as a part of the kingdom of God. We're at war. We're, we're at spiritual war, fighting spiritual wickedness in high places. And it's not some little dainty devil with a pitchfork. It's, it's a, um, a strong force that is oppressing and pressing against us as a soldier of the cross. It's serious business. And we ought to take it serious. And we ought to understand that it's not some little, some little butterfly angel whispering bad thoughts in our ear. It's a, a military campaign by a military leader in Satan who wants to destroy the army of God. But there is an innumerable amount of military messengers of God who are for us. 
and are here to help us and are fighting with us against the enemies of God. A multitude. John wrote in Revelation 5 that the number he saw around the throne were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Do that during lunch and see if you finish before you're done eating. He says, a multitude of heavenly hosts. So where you get all this military stuff? That's a, host is a military word. It's the word for a military encampment. It's used often in scripture. Jesus used the same idea when he talked about legions in Matthew chapter 26. When he's um, about to be crucified, he said, don't you know or think not that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? It's military. We're at war. And these angels are singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. They're singing Gloria in excelsis Deo, which is Latin for glory to the highest or in the highest to God. All glory be to God, the song says. I think we just heard that. And to the earth be peace. To those on whom his favor rests, goodwill shall never cease. Glory to God in the highest. I didn't plan this out this way, but kind of my thought and my prayer this morning, even in the service and yesterday afternoon, was that God is glorified for what happened here in Toy Share. Glory to God in the highest. The reality is that the purpose of salvation is to glorify God. If one or 50 people got saved yesterday, the result is all glory to God. Think about it. You say, well, that's, that's obvious. I would say amen to that in church. Um, if you're saved, it's all glory to God. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The fact of the matter is that if you've been born again, only God deserves glory for that. And the, the message was, glory be to God. A Savior is born, and anyone who goes to heaven because of this Savior results in the glory to God. This is the purpose of salvation, to glorify a perfect, holy, righteous God. John said in John 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, with God. And verse 14 says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten. Jesus and his ministry of salvation glorified God. I don't know if this helps or hurts you. I hope it helps. Another misunderstanding potentially in the church is that some people need salvation more than others. Boy, he was a bad man. He was bad before he got saved. He was a rough one. And you were perfect. 
I, mean, I kind of joked that I was a perfect 10-year-old boy when I got saved, right? The reality is, as a 10-year-old boy, I needed to be saved just as bad as the prisoner on death row for murder or the worst crimes you could think of. And the reality is, it's hard for us to fathom, my salvation glorifies God just as much as the prisoner's salvation glorifies God because it's all about him. All about him. Paul said we should be the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Glory to God, he says, they say. Peace on earth. Is peace possible? Yeah. Not the peace man looks for. Not the peace Israel's looking for. Not the peace Ukraine's looking for. Not the political peace America's looking for. You think it's possible? I'm here to give you some bad news. Ain't none of them up there going to give us peace. Now, they might give us a little better than what we've got now, but they're not going to provide peace. They're not going to provide military peace. We will never see military peace in America again. Peace meaning no worries. Everybody all right with that? I'm not excited about it. I try to prepare for peace at my house if they come knocking at my door, but we can't trust that there will be military peace in America or in the world ever again. This is not the peace he's talking about. He's not talking about peace that the Roman government can provide. He's talking about the peace with God. Peace on earth is available. Peace on earth with God. This is the message. Paul said, in Romans 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Goodwill toward men. I had so much to say about that portion. The reality is it's God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, Paul said in Philippians 2. It's grace that we're saved, not of ourselves. Goodwill toward men simply as I know how to put it, is God has given Jesus as goodwill toward men. It's the goodness of God that leads to salvation is what scripture says. God is good. God has been good. And he has extended goodwill toward men by giving Jesus to us. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill, Toward men. The announcement of the shepherds was that a Savior has come. And then the last thing as we close is I want us to see this very practically the action of the shepherds. The announcement of the angels and the action of the shepherds. What did they do? Verse 17 says, After they had seen it, they made broad, they made known abroad the saying, Everything that they had seen concerning this child. Here's you another song Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere. Have you experienced God? Have you experienced salvation? We're not to keep it to ourselves. Have we heard the message that a Savior is born? We don't keep it to ourselves. They saw this, and they went and told abroad what they had seen and what they had heard. 
The woman at the well that I referred to earlier, she meets Jesus. He gives her water and says, you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. She gets saved. She goes and tells everybody. She had a pretty bad reputation in her town. Come see a man that knows everything I ever did. Is he not the Christ? And guess what they did? They come and saw a man. Here's a crazy stat, and it's just about church, but I want you to hear it. Nearly 80%, this has happened for the last 20 years, of people that are invited to church by a friend will come to church. They're not my friends. Well, you need some new friends. No, but, um, no, when people say, uh, it's like 80% of people who visit a church were asked by a friend said yes. People respond to their friends. People respond to their family. Come see a man who, did every, who knew everything I've ever done. Is he not the Christ? And guess what? They came to him, and then they heard from him. They heard from him. They heard the word of God, and their lives were changed. And They went and told some more people, and then they're begging Jesus to stay for a few more days. And hundreds in that town got saved because one woman, the shepherds heard and they went and made known to say, here's, here's the evangelistic side. This is the very practical. Verse 18. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told of them by the shepherds. The word there, wondered, means marveled. Here's the reality. Everybody we tell is not going to say, oh, that sounds great. I want to be saved. They may marvel. They may wonder. They may say, that's crazy. You go and tell somebody that you love, that you care about, students, you go tell somebody at school you got a relationship with, hey, do you understand that you need to be saved? You must be born again. Where'd you get that from? Scripture, the Bible. I believe it's 100% true. It's the word of God. And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot enter in the kingdom of heaven. And, and you're born lost. You're born in sin. You're born separated from God. And unless you're born again, you can't go to heaven. You can't live with God, with Christ forever. And they will probably, potentially, marvel at us. So well, what do I do? Do it anyway. Have you experienced it? Have you experienced salvation? Have you experienced God? Then we share it anyway. Verse 19, this is not the message. It's a message by itself, but I can't skip it. Right in the middle of this, and this has had a little discussion over the years. But Mary did what? Kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Um, you're bored, I can tell already, but I hope this helps a little. By the way, I love the song, Mary, did you know? I got a preacher friend that likes to gripe about that song, tick me off on Facebook. But I'm, I'm disciplined, and I don't respond to him. <laughs> I think he does it just to poke like, get a hobby. But I think that is his hobby. Um, and he's already thrown out there this year, yes, just by the way, Mary did know. Like, well, it's still a good song. And I don't think they're saying she didn't. I think they're just asking a rhetorical question, did she know? But I've thought about it too much, so I'll stop. <laughs> Mary kept all these things as, as contrast to the people who heard these things. Listen to the message they heard. Shepherds, hey, we were out doing our job and an angel shows up and tells us that the Savior's born. And then like a whole multitude of these 
big army looking angels started singing to us and told us to go to Bethlehem and find a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes and he would be the Christ, the Lord, the Savior. If you go to work tomorrow and somebody tells you a story similar to that, you may marvel at them. You had a good weekend, didn't you? Where did you get that stuff? They marveled, they wondered. But what did Mary do? She pondered, she kept these things in her heart. Why? It's, it's all coming together. Think about Mary, and, and this, is just, this is just for free. Mary hadn't went out and put on Facebook what had happened, that the angel appeared to her. The angel had appeared to Joseph, the angel had appeared to Mary and told her what was going to happen. She didn't send a text message to some shepherds and say, come see us. It's happened. Nobody had made the connections. The same God who sent a messenger to Mary and said, hey, virgin, I know you're betrothed to Joseph. This is a tough one to swallow. You're going to be the mom of the Son of God. A few months, nine months later, finds herself in a cave. No place to stay. Delivers baby Jesus, puts him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. A little one heard of, a little one orthodox. Randomly, some lowly shepherds show up. Hey, we, we heard Jesus, was, we heard a Savior was here. And they see the only baby they find in caves around laying in a manger. The shepherds know. They don't know Mary. They haven't had conversation. And Mary has a visual confirmed in her heart. This thing's for real. This is God. This is the Savior. And so Mary's sitting in the background, pondering, keeping these things in her heart. Shepherds get excited. They leave. They return glorifying God and praising him for the things they had seen and heard. It was told to them. So this is going to be cheap. This is going to sound cheesy. They went back to their jobs. I think it's safe to say they were never the same. They go back to their duties. Please don't be too convicted about this, men. And they talked about what they had seen. It's easy to talk about everything under the sun with our friends and our coworkers. And it's easy to talk about sports. It's easy to talk. And I'm not saying don't talk about sports. But what a change in our life what a change in our church life. What a change in our friend life and our family life if we talked a little more about the things we had seen and experienced with Jesus. They go back praising God, proclaiming the good news that they had seen and heard. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word.
God, 2,000 years later, we read and study. And if anything happens, we're reminded that you are sovereign. You are in control. You've had a plan from the very beginning. You knew how man would respond. But in your love and your grace and your mercy, you had an answer for our sin. And I pray today, if there's a man here, maybe a dad, maybe a grandpa, maybe a, a lady, a mom, they've never accepted you as Savior, never seen their self in need of salvation. God, today would be the day that they see their need and see that you love them so much you sent a savior a rescuer a deliverer to pay the price for their sins not just just by being born but being born to die on a cross taking our sins giving us his righteousness god i pray your holy spirit convicts hearts give them the boldness they need, the faith they need to call out to you, be born again, accept Jesus as their Savior. Help us as Christians who have experienced a new birth, experienced salvation, talk about it more, share the good news more to honor you and glorify you. You're worthy of our praise. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Before we sing, if you want to stand. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.